0: So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Okay, we are live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Sacred Emergence podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to a wonderful, wonderful human being, and not just that, but this lovely lady is the first guest for this podcast so i'm just so thrilled and blessed that um, she is able to to hop on and have a conversation and for you all to get to know her so welcome mary mary lofgren and uh, i've i've known mary for a while now um, and you may have known her as katie cavalier so what I thought we'd do is just to kick back and have a conversation and just explore Mary's journey and what's coming up next for her.
1: Thanks, Michelle. So grateful to be here. Thanks for asking me.
0: Yeah, so I remember, um, well, I met you way back at a women's conference, so to speak. And um, I think I just fell in love with how you really just loved your body. And you were doing burlesque at that time. And I was just in awe of just how present you were. And from then, I just started following you and just had the pleasure of attending some of your retreats and doing some of your earlier coursework. Um, And back then, you were Kitty Cavalier. And I just love just seeing how you've grown and how you've transformed and transitioned. So, Thank you. Well, what you were saying just before we started our conversation um, around what's coming up next for you. I would love to hear more about that and then what's, you know, how you even got to this place.
1: Sure. So, um, so thanks, first of all, for having me on your podcast. And um, as Michelle said, we've known each other for a really long time and I'm really always grateful to have these conversations with you. And um, so... Where I'm at in my personal journey right now, I was just writing about this this morning, about all of the different careers that I've held um, or career paths that I've pursued. I'm a Koya teacher, a yoga teacher. For about 10 years, I worked in the professional spa and skincare industry as an esthetician and then as a product trainer. And um, I also worked for several years at the School of Womanly Arts, which is where we met. And I was the enrollment director, and that school is completely dedicated to women shaping their lives around what brings them pleasure and what satisfies their desires. And when I was ready to leave that job, I was ready to start my own business as Kitty Cavalier, which started out as a burlesque persona, but really evolved into the teacher of into a teaching called seduction as a spiritual practice. And, um, you know, so I was just writing about this, about what it's like to be multi-passionate as you are, Michelle, as so many entrepreneurs are Um, and really over the last several months. So a few months ago, I've let go of the persona and the business identity of Kitty Cavalier because while it was powerful medicine for me for a really long time and for a lot of people, I felt that it was really limiting what I was able to offer because it was really just one dimension of my personality. And so I I let go of that persona about four months ago and I've just been floating around (laughs) since then and uh, really just praying and meditating on what would be the most valuable and powerful offering that I could bring? And when I look back on all of the different iterations of my work, you know, the one common theme, the golden thread, has always been the body. And whether it's teaching yoga or teaching Koya or giving a facial or teaching someone how to take good care of their body or teaching someone how to do burlesque. You know, when I was a child, I remember – I was super Catholic. That's part of how I got into what I do is um, I grew up really religious and really disenfranchised from my body. And what I do, but what I do remember is on Sundays after church, I was part of like, my, my parents were really involved in the church. And so we would be on like the church cleanup crew and I would go in and I would get to oil the pews, you know, and I would do it with like such, I felt like I was like at backstage at a rock concert, you know? <laughs> because like, I loved it so much. I loved religion so much. And so I felt like a total insider as I was like oiling the pews. And you know, that um, schism, that separation from my body was really kind of the keystone in the puzzle of not only my professional life, but also my personal life. And the greatest healing of my life, as Michelle mentioned, was learning how to love my body, not just in thought, but also in action. Mm. And so for me, um, so this next iteration of my work is something called the School of Sensual Living. And it's a form of somatic body-based healing that's based in the, the discipline and the practice of creating a life of simple pleasures as a way of treating your body with respect and with reverence as in a very simple way. You know, a lot of times I think that our relationship, I know that my relationship and so many women, so many women, their relationship to pleasure is like something that you reward yourself with or something that you have to work for. And this school is really about using that simplicity of everyday pleasure and everyday sensuality as an energy source, as a way to clear your mind, as a mindfulness practice, and as a way to just really be present in
0: your life by being present in your body. Mm, I love that. And like when I think about embodiment, especially like the body, I do think about you. I think it's because I've seen like with your burlesque performances and just how like you really walk your talk when it comes to embodying, embodying the body and just, slowing down and tapping into like even the heartbeat and just what feels really good. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the work that you're doing is just so important and it doesn't, I think there's this mentality out there that I have to be a certain shape in order to love my body or I have to be at a certain point. I have to get there. Um, but our relationship to our body is so personal that even if we, you know, hit the I don't know, 120 pounds. I don't know what the goal is for. It. It's like it's not about that. Um, and embodiment is like I've been talking to other entrepreneurs about embodying our business, even. And so, how can we do that until we actually embody our body? You know.
1: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I love that. You know what you said about like having to get to a certain quality of appearance before being able to feel the sensation of love. And something that I find have found really healing in my own journey with my body is, you know, love is an emotion. It's a feeling. It's also an action. And, you know, love is like something that we can't will ourselves to feel. And in many ways, like there's so much emphasis these days on love your body, love your body, love your body and yet there's not a lot of instruction on how you actually do that you know it's like well i know i should love my body because i should and i'm a feminist and I, I you know want to you know set a good example for my daughters and all that but it's like trying to use your mind to love your body is really only one piece of the puzzle mm. and for many women it's like um there's almost this competition of like, if you're not loving your body enough, like there's something wrong with you. And what I, what has been really healing for me is love and it, like, rather than aiming for loving my body, aiming for treating my body with kindness and respect. Mm, yeah. And when I do that, you know, like it's, I think of it as like the way that I would treat like a child whose um, trust I'm trying to earn you know, is I would bring them things that they love and I would listen to them and I would um, create a safe space for them to be heard and for them to play and for them to really just be who they are, you know, rather than trying to change them or trying to shift them into what I think they should be. And I, I've gotten a lot of healing out of treating my body in the same way, Give, you know, writing a journal, like one exercise that a person could do is, writing down just like, what are 10 things that my body loves? Deep breaths, Mm. drinking plenty of water, going for walks in nature, getting massages once a month or once every other month, you know, and just having a menu of what are some things that your body loves. And then again, just like you would want to give a child things that it loves in order to keep it happy and in its childlike state, giving your body that, that same gift.
0: I love that you said like, what is it that my body loves versus like, what is it that I want? You know, it's like almost seeing, it's like, yeah, it's that relationship with our body that we don't necessarily always think about like, what is it that my body wants versus like, well, what feels good, which I mean, they're one and the same in a way, but when we see our body almost like that relationship, then it totally shifts the conversation that we have with ourselves.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So where, cause I, since you've rebranded and I know you're still in the process of it. Um, one of the, I don't know. I just feel like it's the same. It's all you. <laughs> like it's you. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I've always just so valued and appreciated about you is that you're, you're just authentically you. Um, like I don't feel like I have to be different in any way when I'm around you because you show up hundred percent of who you are, you know, with your perfection, imperfection, like just all of you. And that's, I think that's why I'm comfortable around you. I'm like, Oh, we can just have a conversation. I don't feel like I need to be perfect. You know what I mean?
1: I do. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So have you always been like that? (laughs) (laughs) It's like we're on a date. (laughs)
1: Uh, what's your sign? Um, no, really, I would like to know that information after the call. Cause oh, I'm yeah, a total totally. hobby, hobby astrologist. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So to answer your question, um, no, I definitely, I definitely have not always been like that, you know, like many people who have made spiritual development and personal growth, their life's work and mission. Um, I have a lot of experience with shapeshifter syndrome, you know, where I, where the, the boundaries of who I was were very, were, were very, um, what's that word? Unpixelated, you know, they were, they were very amorphous and depending on who I was with, if I was with some, someone I was romantically attracted to, I'd be one way, you know, based on my mathematical calculation of what I think that person might want or might want me to be. If I was with my best friend, I'd be another way. If I was with my family, I'd be another way. So um, so that definitely was a skill that I learned over a, a significant period of time. And is something that I feel like I'm still learning. You know, I still catch myself shape-shifting and people-pleasing and you know, doing those things of, of like, forget who it is. Um, let me just think for a second. I think Martha Beck. Anyway, she talks about like, you know, the, the self that we show to the world versus the self that we are inside. And, um, so it's, you know, it's definitely been a big part of my spiritual practice too have both of those things align as much as possible. And it's a continued practice. I don't think any of us really escape like the discipline of that, you know, day to day.
0: Yeah, I definitely, like there's definitely layers of how we show up. So I appreciate you mentioning that because I guess with different people, I, I'm different. <laughs> and it's also like, it's energy. It's how we, it's what feels safe, I guess. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and something. Sorry, my microphone.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I have a shot, but there we go. <laughs>
1: um, so, some of the things that I notice when I'm people pleasing is my eyebrows like knit to my hairline, um, and I get really like this, you know. And that's an exercise that I might suggest for anyone who's watching or listening is like imagine yourself in a situation where you just vaporize, where your authentic self vaporizes and you feel like you are showing up as a caricature of yourself and notice like, what is your body physically doing? Like, so for me, it's like the, um, this is the, called the frontalis muscle, the eyebrow muscle or the forehead muscle gets really tight. Mm. Um, I, my left shoulder is uh, often creeps up towards my ear, like as a protective mechanism to, protect my heart. And so whenever I'm out in a social situation, for example, if I notice my body, like I become really familiar with those sensations in my body. And I, I become really, um, observant of what, when those sensations show up. And then when those sensations show up, like if I miss myself doing this, it's like, okay, let me go to the bathroom for a minute. And I like hold my shoulder and I like breathe into it. And it's like, this is, you know, this is really the basis of somatic healing and somatic psychology is like letting the body educate the mind and tell a story rather than their way around, you know, rather than like trying to control your body in order to make an impression. It's like letting your body inform you, letting sensation be an education of where you're really at and then taking a moment to just allow those sensations to relax and breathe into them and do your best to just show up in that moment with your full self Um, but that can be a real asset and a real ally is studying the sensations of your body when you are in shape or people pleaser mode.
0: Um, I loved what you said about letting our body kind of give you tap into that wisdom of the body and what it's sharing because um, I think a lot of times it's easy to dim- dismiss it or to I don't know to like ignore it mm-hmm. versus like it's it has so much wisdom for us and especially when you're seeing like the signs of eyebrows to the forehead or just the tensing of the shoulders um, I know that when I'm when I'm feeling really stressed I definitely have that everything gets tight and eventually I get a headache because it Just all Mm -hmm. goes up to my head, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah. And I think it's what you're saying. Like when we start to know the signs of our body and having that relationship with her, then it just it becomes a language that we understand even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: totally. And like something I've been really exploring lately is um, meditation and mindfulness um as a way to cl- to clearly and accurately interpret the signs of my body mm. so there are times where my body is reacting in fear and if i just follow that fear like i don't think i would ever leave the house <laughs> you know <laughs> like a lot of times the reason we don't trust our body is because like it's difficult to do that and also live like a civilized life. You know, re- I, I heard this quote recently, and again, I don't remember the author of it. Um, it was on my friend's Instagram. I can email it to you after Michelle if you want to put it in the show notes. But um, it was something along the lines of, "If we actually, you know, what? I really want to look it up. Is that okay sure, if I just yeah, absolutely
0: for a second because yep, I totally. I want to
1: credit and I also want to." Um, say it correctly, okay, okay, quote is, this is by Rob Bell,
0: when we deny
1: the spiritual dimension to our existence, we end up living like animals, and when we deny the physical, sexual dimension to our existence, we end up living like angels, both ways are destructive because God made us human.
0: Oh, wow. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And even the angel part, I was like, wait, don't we all want to be angels? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I felt the same thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. I really like that quote. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. So it's like,
1: you know, when it comes to that fear response in the body, like mindfulness and meditation, I, I find that a really important component of tapping into the sensations of my body is also being able to curate a relationship with that witness. You know, the part of me that's able to like see and observe a sensation, not take it personally, just get really curious about it. And then notice like, is this fear that is protecting me or is this fear that is mimicking protection, trying to keep me from taking risks kind of thing, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you make this a daily practice then just like with everything that you're sharing and the meditation piece? And cause I mean, I love, I love all of what you're saying. Um, I get in my head so often and like logically it's, I know it's like the embodiment and you know, I'm also like Koya and yoga and all of that, but it's like my brain is on fire all the time. Mm-hmm. So how do you, is this like a daily practice that you do? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I just sit in my little body awareness machine. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're a yoga, you're a Koya teacher and you know, you, um, you're a Koya teacher, right? Yes. And I, I'm not teaching at the moment. That's okay. Um, so I would say that it is a daily practice. And it also is a, you know, I think of it as like playing an instrument is like the more I practice, the more attuned I become. It's like my, my aim is to become one with the violin if I were a a violinist. And so my aim with my body is to become one with my body again, where it's not like, oh, got to set my timer to drink my water. You know, (laughs) it's more like, oh. I've been working all day. I can feel that my body is lacking oxygen and hydration. And so I should probably take some deep breaths and drink a glass of water. Um, and so I feel like the there's a multitude of practices that I do. One of which is somatic um, therapy with a therapist that I highly recommend seeking a body-based uh, therapist for trauma re- resolution and um, just really getting to know the sensations and the cues of your body. Um, Doing Koya and yoga, meditating on a daily basis. Um, But just even really simple practices like my beauty practices, you know, putting on a face mask at night while listening to a beautiful aria. It's like oftentimes mindfulness, I feel like, can feel very stodgy or sterile. Mm -hmm. If, you know, sitting on a meditation cushion doesn't work for you, Most likely, there's this great book out there by uh, Camille Marine, which is Meditation Secrets for Women. And she talks about how traditional meditation practices, while undoubtedly useful, were designed for men, by men, who are living a life of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And so if you are, A, a woman, or um, living in a female identity, gender identity, and if you are... Experiencing meditation is something that feels unapproachable and unpleasurable and such a discipline you know there's more than one ways there's more than one way to to meditate and meditation on a cushion is really just one way and just something as simple as again smoothing on a face mask, hydrating your skin, laying down with some cotton uh, rounds on your eyes while you listen to beautiful music is also a way to distill the outside world, to pay deeper
0: attention to your inner world and your body's cues. I love that. Cause that's what like, ultimately, that's the goal of meditation, right? Because to get out of the head and to just be more connected. So I know, I know like what you were saying about just sitting on a cushion. It's, it is more masculine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, there are so many ways to kind of slow down and to meditate differently, I think is really refreshing to hear. And mm-hmm. I think that's more of the feminine way with what you're saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, something that I, so a practice that I have is consciously taking time away from devices because I can be, I could be meditating on a cushion and then I have an idea and then I like get on Facebook live. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> it's like all my good ideas happen when I meditate.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> or I can be like arranging flowers while listening to Maria Callas and all mindful and, and then a text comes in and then it's like gone. Yeah. You know, and it takes several minutes after you interface with technology to reorient yourself to the present moment. It's not like an instantaneous thing. And so a really powerful and, and useful practice, it's, you know, kind of sad and shocking, but it's like, just turn off your
0: phone. And that in itself is a form of meditation. Mm. You know, Yeah. It's interesting how you say it, it takes a few seconds or minutes to disconnect. And sometimes we don't, like we're just go all the way on our phones and our devices until it's bedtime. And then I do my best not to bring my cell phone into bed (laughs) with me. Um, But some people just sleep with it next to them. And it's just, there's a lot of things going on, all that energy processing in the head. So yeah, that disconnection is so important. Totally. So I'm curious, like when, um, just shifting gears a little bit. So when you... um, And just talking about business and trusting that flow, because when you were taking a break, were you ever, I don't know if you're still, if there was still money coming in, like, I'm just curious how that transition was for you. If there was any fear that came up of like, would you be judged Would you know, any stories that played out? Would I be judged for not working during that time? No, just like you're no longer Katie Cavalier or, and the fact that, okay, I'm going to transition into something new. And so like not making income for four months, I don't know. Did that kind of terrify you in some way? Yeah, (laughs) sure
1: did. (laughs) Continues to, to be honest. Um, Yeah, no, it was, I mean, so here's the thing with like letting go, you know, is, I really had a great run with Kitty Cavalier, and then I didn't, you know, like, and then all of a sudden it just, it's, it was about two years of feeling like something wasn't working before I made the decision to let go of the persona, you know? So it was like, it it was a very gradual process for me. And then I, you know, gave my community about a month or two to process it too, and, let them know that I would be, be shifting around. And so by that time I was so clear and I was so ready. And the day after I closed that aspect and switched over my URL to Mary Lofgren, it was like 50 pounds had been lifted off of my back. And, you know, again, it's not that there was anything wrong with Kitty or, um, I mean, it was, it was, it's a beautiful body of work and I'm really, really proud of it. And, you know, who knows what, how I'll be using it or repurposing it in the future. But um, for the time being, it's like th- there was, there was a very clear um, root that had taken, taken, had, had gra- wrapped around and was growing, whether I liked it or not, <laughs> And it was like, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's like at that point, like all I could really do was just surrender and let go and be like, yeah. Um, but, and so, you know, to answer your question about the income, you know, I've definitely been living more modestly. I do make some income by just things around locally where I live, like just not online generated income, not from my online programs and, and stuff. Um, but I still have clients that I work with. I just did a private retreat with a client. I have coaching clients, things like that. So it's like, you know, something that I shared in uh, the transition was like, it's time to let go of Kitty and meet the woman who's been behind her the whole time. And so, you know, if anyone he is listening to this and is going through a similar experience of needing to let go of something or feeling like it's time for something to change, but feeling like... um, you know, you might not have the resources within you to make that change. There's this great song, uh, called let it go by roads, I think. Okay. And, um, God, what's that line, Michelle, I'm going to press pause again. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> um, it's, it's basically, it's about, um, love mm. this song, but, I really loved this. I really love this song um, about any letting go transition, and here is the lyric. Okay, it's by Birdy and Rhodes. R O um, A D S or R H O D E S. Okay. And so there's there's a lot of great lines in the in the song, but the line that really speaks to me is if we're strong enough to let it in, we're strong enough to let it go. Mm. And I love that. Yeah. And I love that, you know, that really spoke to me in my transition, which is like, if I have the resources within me to create something like Kitty Cavalier and Sacred Seduction, then I have the resources within me to do what's next too. And, and the fact that I don't know exactly what that is, isn't a reason not to do it, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I just I so admire you and I, I did watch because you um, you published a video just sharing the decision and it was just so beautiful to watch and to witness and um, I wasn't necessarily surprised and I was like oh so cool like she's going back to herself <laughs> like she's coming home in a way so not that you weren't home but yeah thank you yeah yeah, like one of the questions that and this this might require you to rewind a bit, um, but just for people who are interested in possibly starting a business or but in terms of attracting your people, like did you just put it out there and then see who responded? Like how was how did you market yourself, so to speak? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, a
1: lot of my um, marketing is word of mouth. You know, in fact, almost all of it is like, I think I've, I don't do a lot of advertising on social media. Um, and part of it is because the work is more of an intimate nature, you know, and, um, and I feel myself shifting around that a little bit here. Um, a challenge that I often encounter is when people hear sensual or sensuality, you know, immediately they think of um, like a a teddy with marabou over the bra cups, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like some like, you know, sexualization of sensuality and, um, you know, sexuality is an aspect of sensuality, but I like to think of it as, um, you know, one, if you think of, of your sensuality as being like a disco ball, it's like sexuality is a direction where the light could go, mm. but it's not an inevitability. And for me, when I say the word sensuality or hear the word sensuality, it's like what I think of is just very simply experiencing life through my senses. And so um, when it comes to marketing, like the School of Sensual Living or any of my other, you know, I have a course called The Art of Self-Massage, which is all about learning how to massage your body in a therapeutic way. Um, drawing on my years of experience in the beauty and spa industry, Um, And and really give yourself that gift of touch, you know, so it can be challenging. um, But I think that, you know, it's like, we are starving for the sensual in this day and age, you know, and so for people who need it, and people who want it you know, there are going to be people who are going to be turned off and then there are going to people going to be people who are like, feed me Seymour, you know, <laughs> pour it down my gullet, whatever it is. I don't care. And, um, so those people who feel like a sponge in need of water are the people that I'm, I'm marketing to and looking for. And, um, and often I find that those people are, um, you know, have gone through some sort of major life event like a divorce or, Mm. you know, leaving a job or, um, a difficult experience with, you know, becoming a mom, whatever it is that has caused them to have to really shut down their body. Mm. And now they're through that experience and they're ready to start feeling again and, or feeling for the first time. And, um, so those are really, you know,
0: my, it's like my ideal person to work with. Yeah. And I just love what you said about like sensuality is what living with your senses. Is that what you said? You just said it. Yeah. Experiencing life through your senses. Yeah. And I just, that should be the definition of sensuality versus whatever sexual connotations. Um, -hmm. so I just love the work that you do. Thank you. Yeah. Well, how can people find you? You can uh, just go to marylofgren.com
1: and on my website, I have a free ebook, which is 50 simple ways to be in your body. It's basically 50 ways to engage with simple pleasures that don't cost you a dime ways to just be in your senses and be in your body as you move through your everyday life. So marylofgren.com is
0: where you can go to snatch that freebie. Awesome. And I'll make sure I'll put that in the show notes so everybody can get their hands on that. Um, and are you on social media? Yep. My Instagram is Okay, And um, yeah,
1: that's, that's the one that I use the most. Okay. Yeah. I'm Insta
0: too. <laughs> <Yeah>. Instagram's <laughs> really fun. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for being on this podcast. Is there anything you'd like to share as a final, final wisdom?
1: Just that I'm really grateful, you know, the, um, the, the process of letting go of my old business and opening to this new business is really just kind of like watching a a rose or a lotus kind of bloom. And sometimes these conversations can be so helpful for just hearing my own self, like my own brain process, like what, where, where we're headed, you know? Yeah. And um, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation with you and to share with your listeners.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And like, I think this is like the perfect interview to kick off Secret Emergence. So thank you. Yay. Yay. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Um, Make sure you check out the show notes and stay tuned for our next episode. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.